You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hey, this is Lee, Bible in Real Life. So I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us in this journey. We finished 50 episodes. Woo! Right, and we couldn't do it without you. So thank you for listening. Uh, we put a, a little video together of some of our highlights and different things so that you can see what you missed and or remember the things that you enjoyed. So this is the Bible in Real Life. Thank you for joining us. This is as we celebrate 50 and uh, looking forward to 50 more. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Hello, my name is Lee Fuller, and this is the Bible in Real Life podcast. I am so glad you're here, and I'm so glad I'm here. Listen, as I'm going through this process, getting my workflow together, trying to figure out what best to talk about, how to share um, with God's people, with anyone that's searching so that they can see the Bible in real life, and apply the Bible in real life. If you're a household of faith, the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go. That way when they're older, they won't depart from it. And how early on should that start at the very beginning? Babies understand, one-year-olds understand, no. They understand I'm selfish. They understand, you know, this is mine. So even as early on as you can, you have to begin to teach them because as Cece said, when our children grow up, they will make their own decisions. They will go their way, but the Bible tells us that they won't depart from it, which means when they have a need, they're going to know who to call because right. they know the type of household that they were raised up in. Like I have read the Bible before, but um, the book really gave me insight on some of the characters, right? That I thought I knew. Right. Some of the characters that I, I was like, obviously, I know how this person looks or I'm familiar with this person. But your book, uh, The Bible is Black History, uh, really uh, helped me see characters in the Bible in a whole new way. Um, do you get that reaction from a lot of people when you mention uh, the black history? Yeah, pretty much. Um because we have been conditioned to understand the Bible through a white evangelical hermeneutic. And when we talk about hermeneutics, that means that has to do with biblical interpretation. And I always explain the idea or the concept of hermeneutics as a pair of glasses. You know, if you put on a pair of glasses, you see stuff that you didn't see. Uh, before you had your put your glasses on, or you're able to see clearer okay. uh, than you would without the glasses. It doesn't mean the reality around you changes. It means that your perspective of that reality has been enhanced by the glasses. And so that's what hermeneutics are all about. It's about mm -hmm. understanding your reality through a specific filter. And white evangelicalism has provided the hermeneutic or the filter through which we understand the Bible. Point one, the Bible's a story, right? Look at how God is engaging with people throughout this story. We see how he engaged with Adam, the nation of Israel, and then how he engages with the church. So you look for what God is doing. 
Secondly, the structure, the old covenant and the new covenant. And there are certain genres within the covenants, within the books. So you get to see, okay, I can expect to see an opening instruction and then a close because I'm reading an epistle. I'm reading a letter. Got it. Because you don't read a letter the same way you read constitution, right? And then um, next, I want to close with the strength of God's word. So there's a story, the structure, and now the strength of God's word. These are, the Bible is authoritative, okay? The Bible claims the authority of God. And uh, actually in Hebrews 1 and 2, it shows us how God's authority is claimed over both sections of it, right? So in Hebrews 1 and 2, it says, in the past, um, it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, right? So God spoke through the prophets, through the um, through Moses, through Joshua, and through the other prophets, those that spoke on God's behalf. He says, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So Hebrews 1 and 2 tells us God's word covers the Old Testament and the words of Jesus. The things in the Old Testament and the things in the New Testament are and have the authority of the word of God. So, you know, sometimes I think so many times no gets in the way, right? right. Uh, and I think your life really opens up, you know, sometimes when you say yes. And I believe that you are that person that, you know, when the Lord lays something on your heart, you'll say yes. And um, and that has been, um, has created an interesting story in your life, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so first, share with me the story um, kind of for the outreach, because I, I, I think sometimes um, one yes can lead to another yes, right? Yeah. So so first, tell me that, that outreach story, following God in the outreach. Sure, man. I actually want to come in on what you just said, though. You said one yes will normally lead to another yes. A yes is a domino effect, the same as a no, right? Uh. So a no can prevent dominoes from actually falling over, but a yes will lead to the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. So what happened was I was initially, um, back in 2018, the Lord told me um, to visit Tulsa, Oklahoma and go to this church. So I was like, all right, cool, bet, whatever. And um, he told me while I was there to apply for this internship. I'm like, man, uh, unpaid internship. I don't, look, I don't trust you. Like I don't trust you that much. But if you're telling me to do it, if you're telling me to do it, I'll do it. Because at least okay. sometimes you have to say yes, even though the trust may not be there. Or even if, you know what I mean? You mm -hmm. still have to know that yes is going to be honored later on. And okay. so oh, wow. I did what I knew. I applied for it. And when I didn't get it, I was like, all right, cool, bet. Um, I know you told me to do it. So I'm not I'm not tripping, but why I didn't get it. And so what he said was I needed to test your yes. I needed to test your, your trust in me because now I want you to go start and do this outreach. Now I want you to go in the middle of downtown Tampa and I want you to go in this building and I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to show you what to say. And so literally, man, it started out as Bible study with whoever would show up. Right. Okay. I think the room was the room was like 50 bucks to rent out. And I was like, all right, it comes with snacks. OK, cool. Right. right. And so either the first or the second time I did it, 
what I was learning, man, is God was showing me the Bible. Like you talk about that King James. He was showing me the King James Bible, like in a new way that I mm. had never seen before in my, in my own life. And okay. also he was really strengthening my word knowledge. He was strengthening my trust in him. He was strengthening my yes even. So I think it was like during the second Bible study, um, I had a bunch of snacks left over. And so funny enough, there were some kids there who were being a little disruptive in the back. And I thought to teach them a lesson, we're going to go hand these snacks to the, uh, the people in the, you know, homeless people and people around. And what ended up happening, man, you know, you, you come with bread and you, you, you end up with water. Listen, we ended up praying for people like as we were handing out snacks, we ended up like my cousin and I actually were guiding people, you know, on this walk with Christ, getting people to give their life to Jesus. And so it started out as an act of obedience. Okay, God, mm. let's lead Bible studies into an actual outreach. Okay, bet, <laughs> boom, we're going to hand out snacks at the end of this thing and we're going to see, you know, who we can bring into the kingdom. We're going to see how we can enlarge the kingdom. And so that's actually how it started. So it was one yes that started almost a year prior to that's apply good. for an internship that actually got me to doing the outreach. In the Bible, there are multiple examples of forgiveness. We see um, when Jacob and Esau reunite. Remember, Jacob stole the birthright, stole the blessing, and he dipped. He left. When he got back, when they reunited in Genesis chapter 13, because Esau said, Jacob, I'm going to kill you. And when they reunited, Esau forgives Jacob. Esau says, hey, I've been blessed. You know, I'll go back and read Genesis 33. But they forgive and they restored fellowship. Joseph. Joseph was um, sold into slavery. Right? Joseph um, goes through prison, goes through abuse, you know, goes to being lied on, et cetera, et cetera, goes into being sold into slavery. And yet in Genesis 45, Joseph forgives his brother. So regardless of what happens, regardless of what the consequences were of this situation, um, you still have the capacity to forgive. I believe there's some people that, um, like I said, uh, I'm learning the limitations of technology because I'm a tech person, right? But you begin to see the limitations of, of technology, especially when it comes to that, that physical presence of a person. And I, I believe that there is a healing, there is a fellowship that that happens when you physically are in the presence of somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and look at this example, Lee. Um, television, you know, basically, let's go back to football. Okay. Television, you know, we can watch it on TV. All right, we we all can watch it on TV, mm -hmm. but they pack those stadiums. Why? Right, right. They pack those stadiums. Yeah, it's a difference. why because they want to be a part of that sound. They want to be a mm -hmm. part of the emotion that's given. Right, you know that feeling that comes about when everybody's hollering for their main team. Right, they right. want that. You know, right. if, if they could get that from television being home, they wouldn't pack stadiums. No state, they wouldn't need stadiums. 
Mm. You mm. know? Yeah. But what? Every time the stadium is there and your team is out there, right? People are going. Yeah. People are going. So, you know, that they they want that. That's something they want. It's not yeah. something they have to have. Mm. It's something they want. And you heard the commentators when we were in COVID and they, they couldn't uh, go uh, to the football stadiums. They were, The commentators were always talking about the difference, even, even how it affected the players. The right. players didn't have that team hollering for them to give them that extra umph to go in and make that last play that would chant, turn the game around. So right. it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And it's the same way in church. Okay. You know, a lot of times the experience that you see inside of a church with a crowd there inside of a church, mm -hmm. you don't get all of that feeling a, a lot of times when you're sitting at home. That's true. You That's know, true. and so yeah. gathering together, and I always go back to the Old Testament. When, when God wanted to meet his folks, he said, oh, y'all come where I am. Come on. You know? Okay. He said, everybody come where I am. I want to speak to y'all. Right. And then in the New Testament, the scripture told us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And they said, Pastor Tom, that's what we do on Zoom. I said, yeah, but that's not a physical presence. It seems like as, as humans or as people, there is a, there is an understanding that when there's something done well, when there's yeah. something excellent, when there's something wonderful, or there's an awe, you talk about it, right? You yeah. you praise. It's something that's yeah. kind of built into, you know, I wonder if that ties into, you know, how we're all created in God's image, where there is, we understand that praise is something that we were built to do, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. it's, it's an it's a, anything that God put within us. Yeah. Because when he designed us, he designed us to give him praise. He designed us yeah. to, to, he wanted yeah. us to worship him, but he designed mm -hmm. us what we automatically can give him praise. Right. That's good. Um, That's even good. watch how crazy this is. Okay. God made us just like him. Right. Mm. Even God praised his own self mm. after he created the earth. He said he created these things. And then at the end of every line, he said what? And it was oh. good. That's good. That's good. It was good. Right, yeah, he praises. Yeah. He's like, Yo, that's 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 pretty that's, dope. Yeah, hey, like I did, that. That, I did that. Praise, that praise, yeah, that's worthy right. of praise, right there, <laughs> right? Right, so you know what I mean. So, because we were, we were made in his image and his likeness, right? That's good. So, yeah. we were, we have we all have the ability to do it, and yeah. he wants us to do it. And okay. but he says, If you won't do it, trust right. me, I'm gonna get my praise anyhow, like mm, I'm gonna get good. it. That's right. Good. Even the rocks, right. the trees, everything will bow before me. They will praise me if okay. you don't want to do it. But he's giving us the ability, the choice to do it. Do the Google search like this is we are an amazing generation. Do the Google search and say names of God. And when you go through, you'll see more and more and more because God desires to be known by his people. And he desires people to know the might, the height, the breadth of who he is. No one in history has ever been able to get more time. Well, except for maybe in Joshua, right? <laughs> right. But yeah, when he stopped the sun, right? When he stopped the sun, right, right, right. He might have got, you know, might got a little more time. But other than that, we got to work within 24 hours. And sometime I will read about these, you know, 
um, these old evangelists that would spend hours and hours, you know, of, of just like, hey, I can't go in front of my day without spending time with God. Um, others say, yeah. hey, I don't know where to start. You know, hey, I would, um, I would be reading my Bible, but I'm not sure where to start. What, what do you think about that? reason uh valid i think that's a, i think that is a valid concern because you know like i said as a new believer you know just giving my life to christ in my you know early 20s i had the same question so okay. i started at the beginning of the book genesis i just started reading there right i had no guidance you know i didn't i didn't take a new members class you know okay. so i felt kind of on an island yeah i was going to church and so oftentimes a good place to start, you know, if you're in a good Bible teaching church, start with the sermons that you hear, whatever the scriptures are, take note of those, write those down, study those, and then keep, so that's a way to kind of build up number one, a habit mm -hmm. and some direction, you know, does your church or ministry offer classes? Are there new member classes? how to study God's word class, you know? Right, so right. there, and hey, look, we live in the information age. <laughs> there is, you can go, there's some good Christian YouTubers. Okay. Churches are streaming. There are pastors yep. and evangelists and all kind of great content out there. Uh, you have to be judicious. Not everything sure. is uh, for you, Right. but pray and ask God and seek, God and his spirit, because I believe the Holy Spirit will guide you and where he would have you to start. This is Palm Sunday, but this is also fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. Okay, so that's what happens on Sunday. Hosanna is celebrating Jesus. It's amazing, right? Now on Monday, Monday, Jesus comes into uh, Matthew 21 verse 12. Matthew 21, verse 12, on Monday, Jesus clears the temple. Now watch this. Jesus entered the temple, drove out all who sold and bought in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves, right? Now watch what happened. So Jesus clears out the temple, right? Hey, my house shall be a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. And then in verse 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed him, right? So what I think is awesome about this is <clears throat> we see that Christ is not only coming in the city of Jerusalem as a king on Sunday, on Monday, he is cleaning the temple. He's clearing, he's making space for God. And after he cleared out the money tape, the money changers and, and those that were buying and selling and cheating the people in the temple, the blind and the lame were able to come into the temple and Jesus healed them. So the work of the ministry, the work of the house of prayer was being done once he cleans the temple, right? So we just see how Jesus is showing his authority um, not only uh, coming into the city of Jerusalem, now he's showing that he has authority and power within the temple, okay? Um, not only to clear it out, 
to clear out and um, establish the sanctity of the temple, but also to heal the lame and heal the blind. As I'm listening, I'm saying, hey, you know what? Good thing we are in the world, but not of the world. But at the same time, we have to be a light right in the midst of, of some of the some of the dark things we see. And and I do have a chapter in there about being set apart. Because okay. as 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 believers, we need to understand that we are that peculiar person. We have to be right. set apart. So right. I, I that's the whole piece of what we often don't understand. And it's okay. You know, yeah, people will think we may be a little different, but okay. from one spirit to another, we connect. Right. And, you know, it's a spiritual connection. And so that that's what... You know, as this hurricane was coming, I got a call from a buddy of mine and he said, he said, I am so thankful that um, the hurricane did not impact Tampa because it was supposed to be coming toward Tampa and hitting Tampa at um, Category 4 winds. But it, it turned and, and hit Florida uh, to the south of us. And he says, man, what do I do when my good news was somebody else's bad news, right? God turned the storm and it didn't hit my house, but it hit Fort Myers. How do I process that? How do I deal with these storms? Should I feel guilty for praying for protection for my family? Should I feel guilty for um, celebrating that God answered prayer and my child was ill? Should I feel guilty that I have been able to keep my job when someone else lost their job? The Bible says the sun and the rain shines on the just and the unjust, right? So the storms come. Life happens. It happens to the good and to the bad. Like for, I could point to some unbelievers and say, man, here's some things that happen in their life. And I can point to some believers and say, you know, I've seen these things happen in the life of a believer too, right? The difference is, what do I do in the storm? How do I frame what I'm going through? I really believe your purpose is, um, I think one one way to find your purpose is, um, finding a need and, and kind of trying to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that's, that's, that's my two cents. Um, well, I say, I say in my book and I don't want to get ahead of you, but I say in my book, this is what I discovered. God wants to use the totality of our lives for his glory. And okay. so there is never something going on in our lives that he can't use. There's never uh -huh. an experience that we have that won't be meet for God's glory. Uh, everything good. I do I, as a writer, look, as a writer, I was writing in high school because I couldn't get the girl. <laughs> you know, nobody knew, nobody read that stuff. I was right. just writing. Okay. Um, I called myself writing a book as a freshman in, in, in college, just mm. writing out emotions, writing how I really felt about my granny dying when I was three. Oh, wow. Writing how I really felt about growing up uh, with, with, with an absentee father. Uh -huh. Just writing that stuff out, you know, right. and I would just closed it, and and I still have the binder. I know where all of that is. I'm not using it. Sure, sure, sure. You know, but it's there's never a time when God is not at work in our lives, and so see, I, I, it's encouraging to hear as you've kind of processed through it, because 
Um, I know sometimes I'm still, or was, I'm, I'm doing a lot better now because when my mom passed, right? My mom uh, also passed uh, from complications dealing with cancer and so forth. And um, like, I'll hear the preachers, you know, hey, um, that have already kind of processed